Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Today, we are back, and we've got our usual crew. We've got Adam, we've got Rhiannon, I'm Caleb, and after our summer vacation, uh, we are back, and Kevin Feige gave us plenty of things to talk about this week, so woohoo. Woo! Thanks, Kevin! It's just dawned on me that we never call him Kevin. It's always Feige. Adam usually calls him Kev. I think they're on a they're like on a nickname basis. We are. We're on. We are. We are on big name basis. Um, that's who I was just texting. Actually, I said, "Hey, Kev, what's going on, Manta?" He he had nothing really to uh, add for this podcast, so we're good. So, Rhiannon, you were at San Diego. Uh, you are not in Hall H because you're not that insane. Um. <laughs> How early? I am that insane. I just chose not to. <laughs> so, for our listeners, people who've never done this, how early would you have had to show up at Hall H to get into the Marvel panel? I probably could have gotten into the Marvel panel by showing up at 7.30 the night before. And then I probably even could have gone home, taken a shower, and changed clothes. The thing is, people... So so what's so crazy about the Hall H line and this line to get into the Marvel panel is that in a way of being generous to fans and making this whole camping out thing easier, every single person in line can be holding that spot for five other people. Oh. So when you see that tent city, and if you guys haven't seen it, just tweet at me. I have pictures of it. When you see that tent city that's been out there for weeks... Each of those people at 7.30, or maybe it was 9.30, but anyways, at a designated point the night before, each of those people turns into six people. And there's no way to identify if that person in front of you turned into six or seven people, or if the person in front of them had five and the person... Yeah, like, it turns into mayhem. They don't clear the room before panels, so you have to be there at 7.30 that morning, and then you have to stay in this confined college area, which... They have concessions. They have bathrooms. It's dark. It's air conditioned. You know, it's it's pleasant. I did it for defenders. But you have to stay there from whenever they let you in, 739, 11, whatever time you get in. So I just chose not to do it. That, I mean, that's really all there is to it. I, I ended up going to the Berlani party, which wasn't... I mean, I keep calling it the Berlani party, but I went to a DC Universe party, like a bunch of people behind the scenes. So I saw the panel just like you guys, probably less thoroughly. Well, we've got uh, significant news. We were talking about before the show. We are not going to use our usual format here. Um, We're just going to pull up the phase four calendar. And yes, we have an entire phase four calendar now. If you've been sleeping under a rock or exclusively listen to our show, uh, there was a lot revealed. And so we're going to do it a step at a time. And uh, we'll take uh, detours along the way as we talk about these things, because there is a lot to keep up with. Uh, I'm going to do it in order of release date. So let's start out with Black Widow. Uh, That was actually the last thing they kind of talked about almost at the panel. But uh, they brought out Scarlett Johansson. They brought out David Harbour. They brought out uh, a few of the other characters whose actors' names are Rachel Weisz, I think. Uh, some other folks, the director, Kate Shortland, was there. Uh, they talked about how uh, Harbor is going to play Red Guardian. Uh, it looks like we're going to see the Iron Maiden. We still have no idea who Taskmaster is, 
but Taskmaster will be in the show. It'll take place after Civil War. Um, yeah, and it definitely comes out May 1st of next year. Was there anything I missed there, Adam, or is that uh, is that all the big stuff? Nope, sounds like he got it all. So we've talked about this movie a lot. We've talked about different iterations. We talked about it being a flashback movie to her origin. We talked about it for a while being a Y2K movie, which is apparently not going to happen. Uh, it's now her on the run after Civil War. Given the other iterations that we've heard of this, uh, do you guys feel like this movie, as it's shaped, is more exciting to you than the previous versions kind of we've talked about or less? I cannot get excited about this movie. I'm sorry, guys. I just can't get excited about this movie. The Y2K thing actually intrigued me. I think I got excited when we talked about that. As we were talking about right before we started recording, like, Taskmaster, I don't have any emotional attachment to Taskmaster and seeing this character come to life or anything. And I don't love Black Widow. I mean, I don't love Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. I've never been hugely emotionally attached to this version of the character. And nothing at the panel got me more excited. But feel free to hype me up if you feel differently. Yeah, I would say I would say this all um, the San Diego stuff did make me more excited. Um, you know, between Red Guardian and you seeing Taskmaster confirmed. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm just more excited. Uh, Red Guardian's going to be great. There, there's some stuff um, I think that could lead into, and they are they do seem to be uh, giving us kind of the Jude Law Yonrog run around with Taskmaster. Obviously, it, w- it was just announced, and that could leak out. Um, but it is weird that they didn't announce who Taskmaster was at all age. Yeah, and there's been some rumors that maybe it's going to be one of the female cast members that will get a a female um, version of this character, which I think would... Uh, I mean, of course, there'd be sections of the internet who would hate that, but it would be, I think, interesting. Um, it's been funny to see people like try to like diagnose the armor and like is there enough space in the chest for it to be a woman behind that like it's kind of cracked me up the way the twitter conversation is unfolded on this yeah the twitter conversation's also up in arms about eternals race bending and gender bending and all that stuff not a single damn one of those person gave a damn so yeah we'll get we'll get there in a second i think for me this helped a lot because this is more of a superhero movie. I think I was kind of feeling like this was just going to be like a spy movie. And so I almost worried that this was going to have like an Agent Carter feel where it was like all a bunch of humans doing spy stuff. And so the fact that we're getting a Red Guardian and there's going to be some kind of superhero powered element to it. Like, I think I was a little more enthused by that. And I think I'm also excited about the vibe. I really like like a good spy movie or, you know, like a Bourne or Mission Impossible or whatever. And the descriptions we're hearing suggest that the action is going to be a little more gritty, a little more kind of Winter Soldier feel, uh, which I think is good. I mean, Black Panther is the closest we've come to that. And even that was more of a CGI thing at the end. I, I think, I, do you guys think this movie could pop a little bit if they go back to some of that more practical martial arts, practical gunfight kind of stuff that we haven't seen in a while. Like more grounded. Yes. I want him to Scott bucket. No, (laughs) I mean, you know, like I guess so. Yeah. Just after all of like, after movies that have ended in CGI fest, maybe it'll help to do something a little more 
practical. Well, and this movie will be on Earth. It's about a title character that has no superpowers. She's strong and well-trained. So it will be a different feel, and I will give it a chance. We'll see. I mean, we've never gotten a street-level movie, right? I mean, I mean, you have people like Cap, but that was still superhero. That you have Iron Man, who's Earth-based, you know, but it's not really street level you know like brandon davis with the comic book he he loved the footage you know like you said caleb he combined it with um said it was a mashup between the born films and mission impossible um which is great and then taskmaster it sounds like it's it's full-on you know he or she um they were were mimicking um scar joe's moves and all that stuff i will i mean yeah like i said earlier i'm more excited than i was because before I was negative excited, whatever the <laughs> whatever that is. Um, but yeah, it's got to my interest peaked. I'll say that at this point. I did think of a twist that I think fans would hate. Do you remember how at the end of Civil War, um, Tony's armor, like Friday or whoever the voice is in the in the armor, starts like analyzing Cap's moves so that like it can predict Cap's next like next strike or whatever in this in the final battle in the the missile silo yeah i'm a little nervous that taskmaster is just somebody who got a hold of like the friday software and the reason that taskmaster can like copy can copy other people's moves is because he's got like software in his mask that's able to like record that and then like reproduce it mechanically I think after all the Mysterio, Tony Stark, Spider-Man stuff, people are ready for Tony to disappear, and that would be a major mistake, I think. Right. I don't know. They wouldn't do that back-to-back, though. Maybe they would. I don't know. I guess. Totally plausible. And that's the other thing. They did, uh, I mean, with through the concept of art, we did see of Taskmaster. Um, why do I keep calling him Taskmaster? Taskmaster. Um, it did seem more technologically advanced than spooky i guess so who knows maybe you might be onto something and just spoil the movie for us i don't know the mcu i I, they've done a great job of balancing real life with make-believe or whatever but we do not need one more technological based thing uh you know like we don't need another ghost we don't need another person that's like oh i went through an experiment and now i have a suit like just go ahead and give us somebody with superpowers. We, we can handle it at this point. I was thinking I would love if they put Ursula Major into this movie. Do you guys know this character? It's like a di- giant talking bear right. that drinks vodka all day. Uh, it seems like it would be off uh, off the tone a little bit, but uh, I've been enjoying... I'm six months behind with Marvel Unlimited, so I've been enjoying the Avengers run where they're up against the uh, the Russian super team with Red Guardian and Ursula Major and all those characters. be interesting to see some of that stuff come in. All right. It would be super uh, interesting if they did make Florence Pugh Red Widow. Yeah. It'll be an election year. I'm sure there'll be no talk about Russians doing anything whatsoever to our country. Oh, so great. I'm sure this I won't be topical at all. <laughs> All right, let's jump to the next thing on the calendar, which is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is coming out now for sure in the fall of 2020. We didn't see a whole lot. Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie were on stage and they played around with the shield a little bit. Uh, We got a new logo that's got a cap shield on it. 
And we also saw that uh, Zemo is going to put on the good old purple mask from the comic books. Uh, that was later. I think Daniel Brohl shared that on his social media. It's real fuzzy. It's not easy to see. Um, what I want to talk about at this point was they put on four or five of these Disney Plus shows as part of this phase reveal, um, which is obviously something that the Netflix shows never got, you know, like daredevil never showed up in a Kevin Feige presentation before. Were you guys surprised how full on they went with the Disney plus stuff and that they've kind of treated them like movies and the way they presented all this? Well, I think this very clearly, cause obviously I've talked about this a lot with friends since then. Um, I think this very clearly shows the line between Marvel Studios and Marvel Television. From the beginning on Disney Plus and these shows that they've been talking about on Disney Plus, they've been saying they are Kevin Feige's. They are Marvel Studios. Kevin Feige is going to be involved with them. And I think in coming out and presenting them all together, Kevin Feige took ownership. He said, look, here's my world. This is my world. If stuff is going to be connected, it's these. And I think there was a bit of a statement there with with that. Right. Absolutely. I hate the new logo. I just want to get that out there. Um, hate it. It's absolutely absurd. Um, I never thought we would get to the point where the WandaVision logo is better than the Falcon and Winter Soldier, but here we are. It does feel just like a Civil War retread, it's, doesn't it? It's not. A, it's not a logo. I don't know what it is. It's not a brand. It's. I don't. I don't know what they're trying to do with it. If anything, it's a title card. Um, but it's certainly not a logo or brand. But that's the only issue I had with it. Um, I never thought they would actually give Zemo his mask. But from the glitchy still we've got of it, it actually doesn't look half bad. I mean, it looks organic and natural and. And it makes sense. Um, and I mean, Daniel Brule. I mean, hell yeah. I, I think I don't know anyone who wouldn't want him back. Um, it is interesting they didn't um, bring in Sharon Carter into the mix. So I wonder if they kind of can that after the whole time traveling antic thing. Um, I don't know. Or maybe they just didn't want um, to introduce her at Comic-Con. I don't know. That's true, because we did get announcements that she's supposed to be in this movie. Is that right? Yeah, one of the trades reported it. I don't know which one. Maybe the rap? Maybe uh, someone. It was reported by a trade both Brule and uh, Van Camp were in talks to return. So maybe the talks did end up well. I don't know. I never kind of imagined this. Like I sort of thought this was going to be mostly a movie panel and maybe a little Disney+, Plus, and D23 would have more Disney+. Plus. And I certainly... There's something that just strikes me about a timeline that has the Disney Plus shows on them with logos that like that just that looks like movies. Like there's something that, that really communicates strongly that they look at these shows like a movie on the calendar. And that's a kind of incredible. Like it sounds stupid. We've known they're coming, but I just always thought they would be a little more separate. I always thought that like He'd be like, let's take a look at the movie slate. And they go through the movies. He's like, now over at Disney Plus, and there'd be a different slide. Like the fact that they're all together and that they're as connected as they are and that the cast of both are on the stage together. Like there's just all these little things that I feel like gave these shows so much more legitimacy. And we've talked about, oh man, Marvel's only going to have two movies next year. 
Well, they're going to have three because Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be as good or better than a movie. And, you know, like it'll, I'll, I'll be just as happy with that coming out in September as I will getting another, you know, Ant-Man in Ju- July or whatever. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing, I was just really taken away by how much Feige is bought into this vision and it looks like the actors are on board for it. And it's, it's just going to be a really bold, new, weird place for us to go, I think. How about those 10 minutes that we all thought we were getting seven movies in 2021? Or however <laughs> long right. it was. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> don't tell me you didn't see the schedule when they put it up at the beginning of the con- uh, the panel and go, holy crap, seven movies in 2021. I was out to dinner with my family and I just like looked at Twitter and I think it was uh, Charles Murphy was like, what 2020 film date do they have? Fall? What? Was there something from Fox in October? Like, I could tell he was scrambling because yeah. yeah. he, he couldn't figure that out. And so, yeah, that was pretty crazy. It's um, Elizabeth Olsen. What would she say? Um, she did specifically mention that uh, the reason that she uh, likes or enjoys or why she's so excited um, for WandaVision, I guess, is... Um, the fact that they've never done, uh, television before, um, you'll have to look up the quote. It's in the, uh, official panel recaps, um, that Marvel released, but yeah, um, it studios and television so completely different and anyone that continues thinking, um, these defender shows are going on Disney plus or, what have you it's i mean it's pretty clear it's all studios properties from here on out and you can correct me guys if i i saw this wrong there's also been nothing here that has felt like season one of anything like they've not talked about any of these shows in such a way that i'm expecting wandavision season two right like i just they feel like standalone like they're talking about them like a movie as a standalone project and not as the first season of a recurring show. Is that the sense that you guys got from it as well? Somewhat. I think for some of them, it could... I think what's interesting in what they've done here is, like, this could be the creation story. Like, um, for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I mean, this is Falcon's first run with the Captain America shield. This is... You know, a, a sort of the first time we've had a deep dive into those two characters. So that could be the creation story. And then there could be a phase five movie. I mean, that's what's interesting here is we're jumping back from series to movies in a way that we've never seen before. I think uh, particularly when we get to Hawkeye, they're introducing Katie Kate. Um, I can't remember. Kate. Uh, uh, yeah. Kate Bishop. And, you know, that's going to be a creation story for what could be the next generation. So it could be that they're taking this long, you know, it it gives them a new way to introduce characters and give that background and then do the movies. What I predict if they do that is, say, the next thing is there's a Kate Bishop Hawkeye movie. There'll be a bunch of people showing up going, I don't know anything about this character. When do we get her backstory? No, yeah, we'll definitely get to some of that. Let's let's jump to Eternals. That's the next thing on the calendar. That's going to be November 6th or 8th. Can't read the font. Uh, 2020. 
we saw a little picture of uh, some of the Celestials uh, that was leaked uh, out of that presentation. Uh, we got more official stuff from the cast. Richard Madden is officially Icarus. Uh, Selma Hayek is going to be Ajak, uh, which is a change of the gender of that character. Uh, Angelina Jolie is going to be Thena. Uh, Don Lee, also known as a name that I can't pronounce, so I won't, uh, is cast as Gilgamesh or... Uh, the Forgotten One. Uh, Laura Ridloff is going to be Makari. Again, a gender flop. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani is going to be Kingo. Uh, Leah McHugh is like a kid. She's going to be Sprite, which again is a gender swap. And Brian Tyree Henry, this is my favorite part of this news, is going to play Fastos. Paperboy himself is making an appearance in the MCU, which makes me so happy. Um... What really struck me with this is, so like when we first talked about this, we said, why are they doing Eternals? Nobody knows this property. It's really weird. It's really left field. Why do you do it? And it strikes me now, the reason you do it is you can screw with it as much as you want and people really won't care. Like I know there's been some like, you know, fanboy, oh no, you're changing the characters, garbage. But as you've already said, Adam, like it just rings really hollow because nobody believes anyone actually cares about these characters that much. Um, so like all of this changing, it really has allowed them to put a female forward cast. I mean, just the ethnic and racial background of these characters is, is extremely different. And, you know, it's, uh, they have a lot of diversity here. They also have the first deaf actress in Lauren Ridloff, which I thought was a very fascinating decision to make as well. Like, they're messing around with this mythology in a lot of ways that I thought was really interesting. And I kind of, I love that Feige is just totally going for broke. Like he's just doing whatever he feels like with this. And they're going to go ahead and just tick people off. If people want to be ticked off. Right. How can you gender bend an alien? It makes it sound like, I think it was something Richard Madden said. Um, how the celestials are, um, Sending the Eternals to Earth, I, I, he he didn't make it seem like the Eternals are are coming from somewhere else. But that was peculiar. But yeah, how do you if they are retconned into aliens or something? Um... So this one I was sort of half heartedly following because, like I said, I was following on Twitter while other stuff was going on. Lauren Ridloff, like I saw, oh, they cast a, a deaf actress in this role. Lauren Ridloff has been acting for, like, two years. She had a role on Broadway, and she had a role in The Walking Dead. I happened to see her in that role on Broadway and loved her and was really, really excited to see this news. Like, this is a really interesting cast. But anyways, anybody wants to know anything about Lauren Ridloff? I actually fangirled her before anybody else fangirled her. Well, and I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes. I, I think they're clearly paving the way for there to be more of like a matriarchy to their society. Um, the fact that they've not cast Azurus uh, or the Zeus character of this mythology, uh, but they do have Angelina Jolie as Thena. I, my guess would be that Thena and Jolie are going to be like the leaders of the society and like the ones in charge. Um Certainly Ajak is a really important character. Uh, back when we got the first casting calls, I thought that he might, uh, that Ajak might be the character for 
the Greek god they talked about instead of Hercules, and I'm wondering if that's true. Uh, the other thing that is really striking about this, there is no Hercules in this. There is no Star Fox. There is no Alars. There is no um, Circe also. We heard Circe and Icarus are going to be at the corner of this. And I mean, maybe they'll cast her later, but certainly I don't think you get Richard Madden if you want to throw the character into a romantic relationship with Cersei, right? Like, I think we're assuming that he'll be a gay character. I mean, it, a lot of this is different than I think we thought it was from the casting stuff we saw. Does that seem true to you, Adam? Um, I will say, do put an asterisk and, and say yet. We haven't gotten Cersei yet. We haven't gotten Druig yet. I, I mean, they just showed us, you know, a group of the Eternals. We don't have a villain. Um... Unless they would make like Ajax a villain or the Celestials villains, um, I don't want to ruin any comics. There are several villain options in this bunch. Right, there are, um, but I, I don't think um, any of this group would go that way. Uh, you know, maybe there are, um, and then there's things like I would Celestials hardly ever talk. Um, more recently, they have. Um, so maybe there's some big names, you know, involved with those voices if they choose to go that route. Um, I, I mean, I don't think we've seen the full cast just quite yet. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I actually, based on the Neil Gaiman run, I know who I would like to be the bad guy of this and it would be surprising enough. I won't ruin it for people who don't know, but I think there's a, a really interesting option there. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is just so radically weird and different. And I just, I kind of, I'm more and more falling in love with the idea that Marvel is going to make something like guardians that is so bizarre and out there that we, we didn't see it coming, you know, fourth project on phase four, uh, February 12th, 2021, officially Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Um, we have casting, uh, Simu Liu, I believe is going to be Shang Chi. He has been in nothing except for like a CBC sitcom about a convenience store, I guess. Uh, so he's pretty new. Uh, I forget. I think the Mandarin is Tony Lung. Leung. Is that right? Something like that. Nobody's correcting me. I'm just will get yelled at. What this phase four panel brings to light is that we have to learn to pronounce some ethnic names. Some non-Anglo oh, names. Yes. Like there is a lot of. Yeah. Um, it would appear that they're going for Chinese New Year at the release date here. That they'll, I, I would think that they're hoping this movie will do well in China. I mean, they always do, but I think there's some targeting there as far as date. In the same way that Black History Month for Black Panther and uh, International Women's Day for Captain Marvel. First of all, do you guys think it's a, a risk for Marvel picking an actor this unknown to be the face of this franchise? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, have you not seen that resurgence of the headline talking about what a risk Marvel was taking with Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston? Like, no, I trust them at this point. All right, that was my conversation oh, starter. Sorry. So the answer is no, no, you're good. <laughs> I, mean, I, you know, um, I mean, there's that, and then there's always, you know, did they just rush into this decision so they absolutely had it nailed down for Comic-Con? Did they, you know, were they you know, pushing theatrics over quality or something like that. I mean, I guess there is a chance that they rushed into that, but 
Do you really think that's the case? Well, and the reality is within the parameters, we had heard that they def, you know, obviously they were going to cast somebody with sort of an Asian heritage. And we had heard they're very specifically focusing in someone with Chinese background. There's not a lot of options, you know, like it's not like there were, there's a, you know, a dozen really famous American movie stars who have Chinese heritage, you know, like they were kind of, uh, I don't want to say forced, but their options were so limited, they might as well have gone with an unknown, I think, in this situation. So, Adam, what do you think of the idea that we are tapping this so directly, even in the title, to Mandarin and Iron Man and the Ten Rings? Did it surprise you? Do you like it? Is that something you're excited about? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Apparently they did show a, um, an Easter egg trailer, and apparently there's been... Ten Rings, Easter eggs in, like, every MCU movie. And season one of Daredevil. Um, I wish they would. Really? One of the Russians in Daredevil had the Ten Rings tattoo. Anatoly, I think. Hmm. Didn't notice that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. If I'm a betting man, they probably didn't include that in the sizzle reel. Um, I'd be very surprised if they did. I mean, no, I'm loving it. I think it's going to be the, the crew they've already brought on board. Um, you know, like we talked about before, they have like the, the Guardians 2 and Captain Marvel visual effects guy. Um, I have no idea what they're going to do with it, um, but I think there's some really interesting things they could do with it. Well, and some, I mean, I've heard other people comment on this. It really does at least open the possibility of a lot more mystical or sci-fi elements. I mean, I forget the Ten Rings of the Mandarin are mystical rings from an alien race or something crazy, right? Like it's something very, uh, very 60s sci-fi feel to it. And so putting it in the title and giving it you know, the legend of the Ten Rings, I just, I don't know, Adam. I felt like it was going to kind of put us potentially into that iron fist mystical realm uh that we've kind of hoped that this might go in and i feel like we're closer with that title and the idea that maybe the mandarin in some comic accurate way is going to show up hell yeah i am all for it all right wandavision coming spring 2021 uh we're they didn't say exactly when but it's probably going to be before dr strange for a reason we'll get to in a minute uh, they brought out uh, Elizabeth Olsen. They brought out Paul Bettany. They also brought out, and I've not looked this name up, uh, the actress who's going to play uh, Monica Rambeau, which I think was a very surprise announcement. Like, that's not a character I would have assumed would be in a movie about Wanda and, and the Vision. So one of the things they talked about, though, is that the events of WandaVision are going to re- lead directly into Doctor Strange that's coming in May. Uh, Rhiannon, you've already started to hint at this. I mean, this service is not going to be released worldwide, I don't think, by then, or maybe it just will. Uh, what do you guys think of this idea that they're going to require people to watch Disney Plus shows to be totally up to speed by the time they come into a movie? Is this is that a risky strategy, or is it just a brilliant strategy for Disney Plus? What do we think about kind of this cross-pollinating to make it even more confusing to jump on the MCU train? They've always made movies that tied into other movies, yet they introduced things in them, assuming you have... I mean, that's like the key to any sequel of anything. You do a little bit of the beginning in case somebody doesn't remember or hasn't watched the first 
installment. So, I mean, I am sure they will be fine. But, I mean, I would hope that Disney Plus finds a way to be worldwide. And even if it's not, you know, if there's six episode TV shows, they could do a theatrical release of some version, you know, of some variety or, you know. Or pump it out to Netflix and whatever countries they can't get to. Yeah, you really think Netflix is going to be into that? That's true. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe they have to find some other regional service or One, I don't think Disney's going to be reaching out to Netflix for any leg ups. (laughs) <laughs> Two, I think if they did, Netflix would just respond with, like, a big middle finger. Um, <laughs> though, I don't know. I mean, Netflix lost $17 billion in stock this past week. Maybe they'll do whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, the, I'm sure the storytelling in Doctor Strange, you can totally go into it without seeing WandaVision. Because even among Americans that go to the theater for every single one of these movies, they're not all going to be tuning in for a TV show. TV shows take commitments, even if it's only six hours. It requires a subscription service that somebody's not going to want to get. It requires six hours of your time that somebody's not going to want to give. It requires hearing the words WandaVision and not being totally repulsed. <laughs> so, yeah. That's funny. I am interested... Because Wanda and you know, we'll just go ahead and start talking about this. Doctor Strange in the uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is going to be the movie that comes out May seventh, and they have announced that Elizabeth Olsen will be a part of that cast and be an important part of the Doctor Strange movie. It does really suggest, I think, that Scarlet Witch is getting built up into a new powerful character. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do with the story, but. I mean, already, Adam, people are hypothesizing that we might build some kind of House of M type event and that Scarlet Witch may be the way the mutants come into this universe. Uh, are you are you feeling that way at all, reading between the lines here and the amount of Scarlet Witch they're putting into stuff? Um, I have no idea. I guess I am skeptic that uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is its real name. Um, if it is its real name, that's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> um, you know, they did say that there's the potential... Well, they did say it is the MCU's first scary movie. Um, but then they... Again, they also did say that about Doctor Strange 1. So I don't know. Yeah, I, this was the most... Um, this is the most interesting announcement. I have a... And like, you know, one of you said... Um, it seems like it's almost the WandaVision spinoff, right? Um, which was even more surprising. Um, there was some peculiar... The way Kevin Feige talked, it made it seem like there was another witch involved. Um, but maybe it was just a flub on his part. But he seems very, very careful. But, um, yeah. If doc, if it, it if it ends up Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, um, it, it's going to be absolutely bonkers. It's it's going to be like what we've seen with other second um, uh, second movies and franchises, right? Um, like even Guardians Two was completely I wouldn't say it was one eighty, but it was much more out there and more bizarre than Guardians One was, right? Um, so hopefully they take take that direction 
Um, Doctor Strange had great visual effects, but it just didn't. Um, only the real tail end really seemed like a, a Ditko comic, right? Um, so I guess I'm expecting more of that the second time around. Yeah, the title is... I mean, I love Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange 2 has been maybe the movie I've been wanting most for the last few years. So just having it official and coming is great. The title is so weird and bizarre. Um, I really liked Scott Derrickson as a director. So, And I also like that it feels like they're maybe going to build out the world of magic even more. Like if Scarlet Witch is in here, you almost, you've got to wonder about Brother Voodoo or Clea or like just what are the... How are they going to continue? I'd love it if we get to a point where there's a whole like sub pocket universe of magic, like we have a sub pocket universe of cosmic stuff and all that. Like this is, I'm just excited to see where all those things go. Um, and the title just screams to me like, yeah, we're willing to do something nuts. It's kind of like, uh, when we first saw the trailer for Thor Ragnarok and was like, Oh, they're willing to go there. I kind of feel like this title does that with Doctor Strange. Like, oh, they're really going to open this up a lot. So, Speaking of opening up new places, uh, Loki is coming later, spring 2021. It seems like it's after Doctor Strange, according to the timeline. So I would assume it's going to be late May, early June. I mean, it's not really even hardly spring at that point. Um, Loki is going to take place with the Loki from the alternate universe where he grabs the Space Stone when... Ant-Man and Iron Man try to steal it. Uh, we kind of saw that coming. Uh, this has got a weird logo. It's going to take place in an alternate universe. Uh, my fears of it being unconsequential because it's hardly canonical is continuing. Well, at least it's not animated and voiceover. I mean, remember we had heard that? That it was going to like not even have Tom Hiddleston's face at all? It was going to be... An animated child Loki thing. Right. I Would that have been better than an inconsequential alternate universe? Uh, I don't know. I mean, this could still be really good. This is the one I'm least excited about personally, just because I, I just don't know what it's going to be. Like, I still feel like I don't feel like they gave us many details even on this. I feel like this is being sold as mostly like, hey, here's Tom Hiddleston. You love him. Keep watching more Tom Hiddleston. That's not uh, enough for you. It's well, not as much. Yeah, not not for me, but I'm sure for others. <laughs> okay, fine. It's enough for me. Um, but it does bring in. I mean, like it's an alternate universe and that weird timeline. Like, are we going to see the other Avengers? Is he going to be a super villain? That are we going to go relive the MCU all over again? Again? Yeah, and there's been good questions about, like, realistically, all the character development of Thor the Dark World and Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Infinity War. Like, they're having to repeal most of his character history to strip him back to that moment. And so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to, like, revert a character instead of continue a character. I think that there's good questions about if that's interesting or if it's just redundant at this point uh can they do a loki show without hemsworth and are they going to bring in hemsworth for the show it seems like that would be expensive uh, there's just a lot of questions that i'm curious about with this they totally can do it without hemsworth 
um, because this Loki um, doesn't give a shit about the the Thor we know, right? I mean, this is still in uh, before any of that major development we got, even from the Dark World to Ragnarok, you know, to Infinity War and beyond. Um, so I, I think this is the best time they can do a Loki show, um, and they could do some really crazy stuff with it, right? Uh, bouncing between, um, well, it'd only be bouncing between space, right? It wouldn't be able to go through time. So it'd be 2012 MCU. But if a Loki is out there terrorizing the universe, wouldn't a Thor be trying to find him? Yeah, Loki hasn't developed. Their their friendship hasn't developed, but Thor is still Thor. Well, or for that matter, the Avengers. Like, the end of Avengers is... Oh, Thor just ca- or Loki just caused all this trouble on Earth. We need to lock him up. And in the main timeline, they sent him to Asgard. They thought he was safe, and so then they focused on Hydra as the next important thing to go after. It just yeah, it makes me wonder like, would not Tony Stark immediately start building a spaceship, going, "We got to go find Loki in this well, universe"? You know, Tony just had a heart attack. That's true. And they never completely showed putting him back together. So for all we know, that Tony's dead. That would be amazing if it started with a funeral because Ant-Man had accidentally actually killed Tony Stark in that universe. (laughs) I don't think I'm supposed to giggle about that, but... No, yeah, it's hilarious. (laughs) I think that would be... Just like every universe, they're mourning Tony Stark in some way. (laughs) Well, along those lines of non-canon, what if then comes summer 2021? I was really surprised they included this in this presentation. Uh, it appears that Feige is thinking about this as a project that fits within the bigger MCU. It's obviously an alternate universe thing. Uh, they explained all the voice cast coming back, which is basically everyone except for Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. And my guess is that's only because they're holding those back for a surprise. Um, it was interesting. The logo seems to have like different elements in the background, like, Maybe a Captain Britain or maybe a Marvel Zombies are like kind of sublimated in some of the shadows or whatever. Um, it is going to be animated. Uh, yeah. I, do you guys feel like this makes sense to consider it kind of part of phase four or is this really more of a side project in your mind? I think we have one alternate universe leading into another and maybe there will be breadcrumbs laid out oh, sorry. I'm still exhausted from coming down um, maybe there will be breadcrumbs bread, bread laid out from the Loki series that give the premise of the what if but I don't know a random animated show in the middle of all of this I'd almost rather it be completely unrelated and then be able to use the entirety of the Marvel Universe because who cares if there's an animated Daredevil running around with Deadpool and, you know, whatever. And it's just like, what if there wasn't corporate BS keeping all of these characters apart? <laughs> and, and that's what the episode was. But if they did that now with this in the mix of Marvel Studios, it would be uh, problematic. Well, and Feige did seem to suggest that the what ifs are specifically what if within the current 23 movie canon. Like, the starting points of all these shows will be things that happened in the actual MCU. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch it. I'm not the uh, world's biggest animated fan. Um, I mean, I was surprised that they got virtually the entire MCU back. I mean, the um, dude that did Arnim Zola was there. Um, Taserface. Um, yeah, Michael everyone, B. Jordan right? was the one that surprised um, me. Michael B. Jordan, yeah. He, um, just so crazy. Uh, yeah, everyone, right? Um, yeah, I'll watch it. And that's the thing. I mean, I was under the assumption it wasn't canon, but it seems like it is canon, but either multiverse or uh, I don't know. It's it's fluid, which I, it is something that kind of reinforces, you know, Disney Plus is um, Marvel Studios only, right? Thus far. All right. Uh, another Disney Plus show then coming in the fall. Hawkeye. We've heard this. Oh, I should mention real quick on what if. Jeffrey Wright of Westworld is going to be the watcher who narrates that show, which I think is a good choice. Uh, Hawkeye is coming later that fall to Disney Plus. It is what we've heard that uh, Kate Bishop will be trained up by Clint Barton to become the new Hawkeye. Um, There was all the imagery that they showed all like points to the Matt Fraction run. Uh, Rhiannon, as someone who loves that comic, I assume you are ready to go with this. I'm, well, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm excited about Kate Bishop. I I still don't love Jeremy Renner, so I'll be curious to see what they do with his character when we get a lot of focus on his character and where he goes. So hopefully uh, they do things that make me like him more and bring about Kate Bishop. Maybe this snappy little West Coast girl will make him a person that I enjoy more. But they also said they will show stuff like from the Ronin days and all of that. So um, I'm super, super excited if they go down the Fraction Run route. Just... Give me that fraction run. But are they suddenly going to give Hawkeye a brother? Are they going to... Barney. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to give me Barney? Are they going to give me Lucky the pizza dog? Are they going to give me Hawkeye hanging out like on the roof with his neighborhood? Like, that's just... I haven't seen that Hawkeye in the MCU. I can't see Renner suddenly becoming that Hawkeye. But maybe in the five years when he's off being Ronan, there was time that he was just, like, man of the neighborhood hanging out with a dog. Yeah. Or it'd be interesting to see if maybe the the whole experience of Endgame changes him. If they do it post-Endgame and, like, he lightens up a little bit because he realizes how precious life is and he's but isn't he gonna go to iowa with his family uh see that's interesting yeah i have no idea it would be interesting to see i don't know i haven't read the fraction run could they work it to where he'd move to wherever with the fam Uh, that's new york city he doesn't have he doesn't have a family right he's like he's like a 20 something year old that drinks coffee straight from the pot and feeds his pizza to his dog like yeah yeah i guess that could be a father of two in a small Manhattan apartment and they you know somehow tweak it and I mean like one of the parts of the run I I think he owns an apartment building or something and takes care of like everybody in the apartment building 
I, I don't remember the details. I guess a lot of it he could do with a family if they wanted to move to a city. Like, instead of Manhattan, they could be in Des Moines or something. But <laughs> the thriving it's going to be metropolis. a tough sell. <laughs> hey, man, U.S. Weekly says Des Moines is like the best place to live, so I don't know what the hell you, <laughs> you know, guys are You know, I've lived about. in cities that magazines have said are the best place to live, and that doesn't mean they have the essence of fraction-run Manhattan. Hey, the Des Moines Register says Des Moines is the best place ever, so y'all better just chill. I think you have brought up something earlier, Rihanna, that's really interesting. Uh, is Are they going to take characters that start in these Disney Plus shows and put them in movies? I think the answer is yes. Like, I assume we're going to see Gate Bishop someday in a Young Avengers movie. Uh, also, I would be shocked if the Monica Rambeau we get in WandaVision does not show up in Captain Marvel 2. And so it will be it'll be interesting just to see how they negotiate that like how do they do that so that fans of the TV shows don't feel like they're being talked down to when they're introduced in the movies or will they just show up will they trust the audience has seen the show like I know we've already talked about this a little bit just all that stuff like Kate Bishop to me makes it really clear like if Kate Bishop shows up in a Young Avengers movie are they going to have to redo her origin or will it just be like, nope, we assume that they watch the Disney Plus show, and if not, they can go back and watch it when they get home. Like, I'll be fascinated to see how they transition all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, because while I went on that rant saying that a sequel or a subsequent show or movie tends to give you background, Marvel doesn't always do that. They really do make some assumptions. You've seen some stuff. Like, you could not go into Endgame having not seen Infinity War. Well, and it's, you know, I don't I, I don't care about this as people who fuss about it do. But if you've only watched the MCU, you still have no idea who Ben Parker is. And you have no idea what happened to him. And you have no idea how that spurned Peter to be Spider-Man. Like, I think it's there and it's all subtext and they hint at it so that people who know the mythology would know it. But if I only show my kids MCU movies, they will have no idea about Uncle Ben and the history of him. And they still haven't fixed that four movies into their, you know, their version of Spider-Man. Speaking of which, where's Spider-Man on this schedule? Yeah, so let's talk about that since it's come up. Sorry. There is, no, no, absolutely. There's no Spider-Man in the schedule. Um, Sony would probably be the one picking that date, knowing the way Sony is. I'm thinking that they would want to put it out somewhere there in the summer of 2021. Uh, Adam, if you had to guess what's going on with Spider-Man Home 3. If I had to guess what's going on, I mean, Sony announces their own dates, right? So that's going to be, that'll be a, a 2021 date. I think, it? I, I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, well we've, we've never gotten, uh, we've never gotten Spider-Man in a, a slate dump. Um, you know, and Feige did, in post conference scrums, he he mentioned in the post. What am I saying? Post panel scrums that um, it, he didn't say it was still fluid, um, but he did compare it to phase three, and and he told reporters um, that phase three ended up changing as well, right? Um, hence why I'm not completely sold that it's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, why I'm convinced that maybe Spider Man will go in there. Um, I hope uh, Thor doesn't take the the route of Inhumans, right? 
but but everything still is he didn't say in fluid but there's always the opportunity for change and and spider-man there's no way um there isn't a spider-man 3 in in phase four you know um peter was slash film um reported that uh the sony deal uh spider-man would revert completely back to sony um if far from home didn't make a billion dollars and it's already there um somewhat three weeks after um its debut um so there's definitely going to be a spider-man 3 in um 2021 what is 2021 does have the three movies um and there's uh what there's a May one, right? Or am I? Yeah. So what's really interesting is I would think that July 2021 is what they'd aim for because they've done every two. If they do that, that will be a year of four Marvel movies and four Disney Plus shows, which is just a ton of content. Yeah, but it'll make it easier to podcast. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Do we want to get onto Thor? And because there's lots of like general stuff and the what's missing. And I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. So yeah, well, I mean, we'll talk about the last bit. Thor, Love and Thunder. There was a point in these in the tweets that I was seeing where I thought that they had become like like joke tweets. Like I thought somebody <laughs> was just like putting out fake information. And so I saw. Natalie Portman is returning to be Jane Foster Thor. And I was like, that's hilarious. That never happened. Uh, no, it's actually happening. Taika Waititi. Uh, we've got Tessa Thompson back. We're going to push more into sort of the bisexual nature of Valkyrie. We've got Thor returning. Chris Hemsworth returning. We've got Jane Foster becoming Thor. Taika is there. Let's just talk about, are you excited about seeing Natalie Portman again? I felt like even on stage... Hell she didn't yeah. seem super excited to me. <laughs> it seemed like she was still know. like, oh, what am I doing here? I don't understand why people like this so much. I... Adam, why are you? Yeah. You could chalk a lot of that up to like public speaking and anxiety, right? I mean, Chris Evans has been very, very public about his battles with anxiety. Uh, and I mean, if you watch Destin Cretton talk, uh, he flat out said he was scared. Shit. Um. I, she's she's got to be excited, right? She came back when she didn't need to. Yeah, I, I don't. It's not something I ever needed. And like when I see the pictures of her there holding Milnor, like it does nothing for me. I was most thrown off by it because Marcus and McFeely, like thirty six hours earlier, said we tried to get her back for a funny scene with Rocket, and she wouldn't do Endgame. And so. I was shocked that she went from wouldn't be an Endgame to starring in Thor: Love and Thunder. Like, I that just blew me away that she's willing to come back. The so when she probably would have signed on, that still would have been prior to Thor: Ragnarok, right? No, why would it have been? Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. So wait, so I'm if I'm following you right, Adam, you're saying Waititi is what I'm changed? Saying, the well, I'm saying I. Oh, absolutely. Wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I would believe that 100%. She did mention, someone did mention that um, she signed on after meeting him once. Um, I mean, I did not recognize Natalie Portman in Endgame. Like, I didn't remember Jane. I didn't, like, that scene, I didn't remember it. Like, all the stuff from Dark World that was in that, I just, to me, she's a very not memorable character. I have no idea where they're going with that, but I like Taika Waititi. 
I trust him. I like the girl power aspect of it. I mean, beyond Natalie Portman, we have Valkyrie searching for her queen. Um, They're going places. And I think it's very interesting to see where they're going. So this all happened and we thought it was over. And then Kevin Feige, I could not believe he did this. At the end of it, Feige goes, by the way, we didn't have time to talk about Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Fantastic 4, Mutant. Like, he just starts listing off all this stuff. And he basically is saying, we're doing all that, but we're just not to it yet. And then he finishes it all off by bringing out Mahershala Ali to say, oh, hey, by the way, this is Blade. And they showed up a workup for a um, a uh, word mark for Blade. Adam, you had teased us the day of that you were hearing that something would happen that nobody saw coming. I think it's safe to say the Blade announcement with Ali is probably what that was. <laughs> yep, it sure was. Um, and I have plenty of thoughts about that. I am pretty... I want to say Marvel Television was really going after a TV show. I really, really think they were. I feel it in my bones. Oh, um, that's true, because we've been what? talking about Ghost Rider and Hellstrom and all the stuff that's developing on Hulu. Right. Oh, my. When's the last time they've ever announced a movie without a director or a writer or any information whatsoever? So do you think they were just like... Mm. We claim Blade, and maybe I mean, okay, this is pure speculation, just because it's so bizarre and it was so much of a surprise. Um, But I don't. There, it almost seems unnecessary, right? I mean, I think dropping it all with Thor, um, it kind of did set a tone with most people, right? That okay, well, this was. This was okay. This was an okay Hall H panel. They brought everyone back. They gave us a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It, it does seem very uncary, uh, uncary, uh It doesn't seem like Kevin Feige, right? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think because I mean, even before when they when they announced RDJ, um, I mean, I think they had Favreau in place, right? They had. I can't even tell you. Okay, fine, there'll be a Blade movie, movie in the future, but they're planning to introduce this character earlier. Oh. One of these one of these movies or shows that we're going to see on this pan, on this slate, we're going to start to meet Blade. That would be interesting. Like maybe in the the Doctor Strange movie or somewhere. So they have huh. them cast. They don't have a director. They don't have a movie, but they have Blade. So I think the closest parallel is Brie Larson. Um, I'm fairly certain that they chose Brie Larson before they had Bowden and Fleck on board for Captain Marvel. I think the casting announcement was pretty close to the director announcement on Captain Marvel. Yeah, I just I remember she came out at Comic-Con like like to me it was very similar. Like they ended Comic-Con with like, "Oh, by the way, Brie Larson is our Captain Marvel." And I I I remember, and maybe I'm making this up. The way I remember it is I remember thinking, "Oh, wow, that's interesting that you wouldn't let your director pick the the actress." But they had to pick her earlier because she was going to be in Endgame and she filmed Endgame first. So that's interesting though. That l- lends credence to your theory though, Rhiannon, that 
he's going to pop up somewhere. Yeah. I mean, which now has me like looking at all 11 of these going, what, which of these? Oh, it's totally going to be Dr. Strange too. If it's scary, he, is he going to come Because, I mean, if Blade exists, I mean, vampires exist in the MCU. I don't remember Blade's story. Is he a modern person that turns vampire, or is he ancient? He is half vampire. I believe his mother gets bitten while pregnant. I think that's the movie version, but yeah. Is it? Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't. No, I think it's accurate for so comics. So it's not too. like, he's remember. not like a vampire that's hundreds he's, of years old. Either way, huh? he's half vampire. Either way, he's half vampire. He's not Morbius. Well, is he immortal? Half vampire too. Is he immortal? Is Morbius is full. No, okay. I don't think so. Right. I'm sorry. I will study up on Blade. I promise. Eventually, I, maybe. I thought it was Morbius was the one I was studying up on, which I haven't done that either. Um, I I just skipped that. By the way, was there interviews recently where Venom Two is not filming as quickly as we thought it was going to? Uh, Something weird is going on over there. Get a hint of what's going on whenever I have a chance to look at my phone. So yeah, so there's Blade, and of course the thing with Blade and Maharshala Ali being cast in that role is immediately there was a cry on the internet. The Netflix MCU is officially dead. Yeah. Yeah. You um, who was he? Feige interviewed. Who? Oh, I'm trying to think. Who Somebody. It was. Was there was it? an interview. Might have been IGN. Yeah, there was some sort What's of interview that? where they point blank asked him something about. Oh, uh, Frosty. Frosty with Collider asked him, um, does Cottonmouth or does the Blade Roll have anything to do with Cottonmouth? And Feige physically recorded <laughs> at the question and distorted his face and said, no. That's great. I read look the written up, version, up, but uh, I didn't see the video. He goes, no. I'm like, whoa, okay, well, that's that says that. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Frosty with Collider that asked that. But, yes, he physically distorted his face. And also there's all kinds of articles out there about Feige saying he doesn't care if any of these actors have played somebody else. I mean, he's saying flat out that he talked to, like, Chris Evans when he was taking a role and didn't care that he had played, um, that he had been in previous stuff and he didn't care uh yeah, like lots of the actors have done other comic book roles, and he flat out does not care. Um, it does seem interesting to me that on a night, though, where Disney Plus was shown respect that Netflix never was, that you also end it with news like this. Like, it did feel like a couple, like a double dagger to the heart of, yeah, this, we're in a different world now, and Netflix really does not matter, you know? And the Netflix, I mean, the Netflix series, they are done on Netflix. I mean, there's no world where those come back there. Um, and if we go on to it, because, like, I, you know, it's been no secret, I really like the TV side of things. And while Marvel Studios had this one slamming 90 minutes, Jeff Loeb went on stage once all weekend 
You guys assured me that I wasn't missing him anywhere. But there was one little Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. And that was it. There was, well, And that's it. That's the other Comic-Con news we didn't talk about, is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is done after season yeah. uh, seven. So. Yeah. And those poor, that poor cast, they were up on stage. They're in the middle of filming their finale, and they went up on stage. And Adam didn't write about that until, like, four days later, even though I tweeted it. What? Um, Isn't it four the, days later now? Oh, it's a week. Gosh, has it been a week already? I'm still exhausted. But... I, but Marvel Television had nothing. I mean, they had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but there was no Legion, no Cloak and Dagger, no Runaways, no new Ghost Rider. Like, Jeff Loeb threw out one little, like, oh, and Ghost Rider's happening. And that was it. it there was nothing at all for Marvel. I mean, it was just sad and... Well, I'm interested to see what the New York panel looks like, because there are supposed to be projects working from them. But it is weird that we've not seen a Cloak and Dagger 3 announcement, unless it's somehow tied up with Runaways and a crossover. Um, Runaways 3 is filming, but it's been really quiet. They say we're getting Ghost Rider and Hellstrom, but then nothing's happened with it. Uh, They have five animated shows that are happening, but we've not seen a single frame from them like. I don't know. It seems really weird how quiet the TV side's been. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, I mean, and maybe they are. Maybe they're going to do a rebranding. Maybe Loeb is sitting back and restructuring, rethinking, and trying to decide on messaging. Maybe they're trying to. You know, where originally it was it's all connected. Maybe Loeb's trying to do the we're on our own, you know. Right. F Feige, like we're over here, he's over there. We're gonna do what we want. Um, situation. I yeah. mean, maybe that's what's happening. I hope that's what's happening. I hope that there's something happening over here. Um, maybe they're trading. You know, maybe maybe Blade was supposed to be a television character, and maybe Feige traded him Blade for like a Moon Knight or something. And there's a whole new plan. I have theories. I'm just saying. In my head, Feige took Blade, Loeb gets Moon Knight, and there's a new dark Marvel television series happening for Hulu. So let's kind of wrap this up. Looking over Phase 4 overall, I mean, Feige has said that this is it, that this is Phase 4 as they plan for it to be right now. Do you guys have any, like, overall feelings now that we've kind of had a few days to process this and think through it? So, I didn't follow, like, phases one through three, but didn't they sort of all culminate in an Avengers movie? Yes. So, this doesn't feel like it culminates in anything. Yeah, I'd agree. I've seen articles that, like, try to predict what the big event this is driving towards. I see no obvious through line through these movies. Phase four is only lasting two years, right? Um, so it's super quick and it's still fluid. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see something else added at some time. Um, maybe they tack on at the end of phase four or who knows, you know, they did say that they were going to change, um, stuff up after far from home. Right. And make stuff shorter and not do a whole saga again. So 
Um, yeah, it's the first phase without an Avengers movie, so um, I guess we'll see. It's completely, completely changed the game with this. Yeah, and I, I mean, correct me, Feige did say that they are going to start planting seeds for the next big saga in these movies. Did I see that somewhere? Anybody else see this? The one? That that there's going to be seeds planted for what is the big culmination at the end of the next, like the next big saga idea over the next few phases, that they are going to start to seed those things in these movies. Sure. I mean, I have no doubt. That doesn't need to be news to me. I'm sure Feige has some idea. They're seeding towards it. There's just, I mean, we are all over the place here. We've got going back in time. We have weird nostalgia with a bad logo. We have celestials, horror, lesbians, mischief. I love, we should create this a subtitle, (laughs) phase four, and just list all those things that are (laughs) <laughs> I, I think the thing that struck me is how confident Marvel is at this point. They've pulled out all the big hitters. There's no Captain America movie in here. There's no Iron Man. That doesn't surprise us. But then also, like, they built three billion dollar franchises in Phase 3. Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Spider-Man. And they've not put any of them in this. Like nothing, I mean, there is nothing here. The biggest performer here is like Thor and there and Thor Ragnarok's like 850 million. Like none of these is an obvious billion dollar movie. And there's a lot of like, you know, Black Widow and Hawkeye for a long time were jokes in the Avengers because they aren't powered. Scarlet Witch has always been a side character. The Eternals, no one's heard of. Shang-Chi, slightly less than no one has ever heard of. I mean, Falcon, Winter Soldier, like there's just so many great characters, but essentially B characters, even for MCU, you know, as a universe that started with Iron Man and all those characters. And they don't seem afraid of it. They're like, yeah, we're going to roll this out and people are going to be pumped about it, even though there's not any of the billion dollar franchises in place. And I just think that's a sign of ultimate confidence I think they're they think they can stroll out Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and still turn it into a billion dollar movie because I think they think that they're unstoppable at this point. So and it's kind of fun to see them just go out there with a the gusto of thinking they can do that. So All right. I think we've talked ourselves to death on this topic. Was there anything else you guys want to talk about tonight before we sign off the pod? I'm sure there's tons to talk about. But I mean, we have until May 1st, 2020 that we have to, you know, live on this. That's true. And we will get back to agents of shield next week. We haven't obviously talked about them in a little while, but we just, we felt this was probably the big topic. Everyone to talk about, we'll get back to shield and uh, some other things. So, all right. Uh, Thanks for listening to the podcast guys. We appreciate it. Thanks for staying with us over our vacation. I think we're all a little well rested. At least I know I am. Uh, It was good to have a little break. Uh, you can support us tons of ways. You can send us messages at uh, Marvel News Desk on Twitter. We had a really great one while we were gone. Uh, oh, I'm going to mess it up. I shouldn't mess it up. Is it Chris Sanders? Is that one of the guys we have on Twitter? 
he was awesome about saying, I know you guys need a break, but I miss you. And so thanks, man. We miss you too. We're, we're, we're glad to be back. Uh, you can communicate with us on our marvelnewsdesk.com posts each week. Uh, you can support us over at patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. We had a new $5 member who uh, started this week, so they're going to be able to get the live streams. So uh, consider that if you're interested in that. You'll get access to our special MCU film ranking episodes. Uh, uh, that's available only to Patreon supporters at any level, uh, as well as early access to videos. Like us on Facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That helps other people see the show. Uh, most important thing you do is listen and tell your friends about it, and we appreciate it. Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. He's on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. He's on uh, the variety of social media platforms as at the Skull School. Uh, that does it for this week. We've got a phase four. We're back in the saddle and ready to go. Some more MCU. We'll see you guys soon.